1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. But it's only third and three, so you would think the run is an option. Lawrence scrambling. He's got Ingram. There's a flag down. Ingram takes it in, but will this one come back? Flag is down in the backfield. Legal use of hands to the face. Defense number 94. Penalties declined. Result of the play is a touchdown. Now it's Brissett who flexes out wide to the right. Direct snap with two extra offensive linemen. Touchdown, Cleveland. Nick Chubb. Well, this is the guy you want at the plate. Christian Walker has homered, singled, and walked. He has scored twice and knocked in two runs. They can't get him out. Christian hits it up in the air. It's carrying to center. Doyle backing up to the track, to the wall. And that one's in the bullpen. Christian Walker has done it again in Colorado. His fourth home run in this series. And it's 8-7 to seven Diamondbacks. Oh, my goodness, is he hot. So it's still 1-2. and two. I haven't seen that one in a while. (laughs) Swing and a miss. Paul Seawald shuts the door. And the Diamondbacks get back over 500. They win another wild one at Coors Field. It's 9-7. They put in good work all day. Rodgers on the run. Puck fake. Freeze him to the end zone for another Packer touchdown. The one-two. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. Judge and Stanton go down on curveballs. Strikeout number nine there for Charlie. It's not like we discounted it. I mean, he wasn't just good. We knew he was really good. But he is he's sensational. The one-two. Swung on and missed strike three. Kershaw with his second strikeout of the game. Anderson both victims. And so now that's two out. And Yelich coming up. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Thursday, August 17th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, the 2023 Jags over or under 9.5 wins, the 2023 Browns over or under 8.5 wins. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks, should they feel good about anything? After the three-game series at Coors Field, they won two out of three, but should they feel good about anything? Meanwhile, the Jets, are the early offensive line struggles reason for concern or no big deal? The National League, who's the third best team? I think it's been pretty well established who the two best teams are. And also, what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15 or so, we'll have a Jacksonville Jags season preview. Mark Long will join us from the Associated Press. 9.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060, and also the local roundup. That will include 
a Diamondbacks, uh, some Diamondbacks and Rockies analysis for another poorly played game yesterday. In fact, I, I watch a lot of baseball, not just the Diamondbacks, but watch, you know, I watch series, you know, good series that we expect to be good series. This was the worst three-game played series I've seen from any time in any teams this year. It was awful baseball. Didn't get any better yesterday. Final segment, the National Roundup. That'll be uh, topped by from the MLB scoreboard. Then after the sports zone from 10 to noon, it's the extra point. That's, of course, uh, course hosted by Kayla. That'll include a Cleveland Browns preview. Uh, And uh, to me... They're, they might be the mystery team in the NFL this year, so we'll try to solve some of the mystery. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the uh, KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is the 2023 Jacksonville Jags over or under nine and a half wins. And Corey's here and has the early returns. Leading right now is over nine and a half with season percent of the vote there. Under nine and a half at 33% right now on KDUS1060.com. The Jags are the overwhelming favorite to win the AFC South. And if you watch the NFL Network, seemingly the, they're the greatest team in the history of the sport. Uh, this from a team that was fortunate to get one playoff win, actually fortunate to even get in the playoffs last year. And they did get one playoff win, but they were getting clocked in that game and they made a great second half comeback. But they're the greatest team I've ever heard of. Uh, if you listen to many of the experts on the NFL Network for the last month or so. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll, uh, the 2022, uh, 2023, excuse me, Cleveland Browns over or under eight and a half wins. Corey, what's going on here? A little more negatively, under 8.5, leading at 70% of the vote right now, over 8.5 at 30% of the vote on KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. Now, we've been in this season win total thing for many years, at least I have. I mean, it's at least 20 years, maybe even 30. Uh, whenever they started posting them, I got involved in a lot of season win totals. Season win totals, more than occasionally, it's kind of a shop around proposition. And that's really the case with the Browns. I've seen anything when I got ready for do this show today. I saw as low as eight and a half, which is a consensus. But I did see a couple of nines. I even saw nine and a half. So shop around and act accordingly, whether you want to go over or under on the Browns total. Uh, I think maybe the variation is because what are we going to see from Deshaun Watson uh, this season? He's actually going to be he's scheduled to start from week one for the first time since 2020. Uh, and in that 2020 season, he was phenomenal. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Diamondbacks and Rockies series ended yesterday, thankfully. Uh, the Diamondbacks, they really have, they have not played a series this season in which both teams were as bad in ever, almost every area. Both teams were horrible. And as I mentioned, if you're a baseball you know, aficionado, this was uh, you know the, uh, the the series that you don't want to watch. So basically, it was almost it was. I think I yesterday said it was unwatchable baseball, and yesterday was also unwatchable. So even after they won two out of three, should the Diamondbacks feel good following the last three days in Colorado? Meanwhile, spanning the globe back to the NFL, the Jets' starting offensive line had another rough joint practice. 
Aaron Rodgers sacked six times on Wednesday against the Buccaneers defense. Now he's not physically sacked because you can't tackle a quarterback unless you're completely out of your mind and you're going to start the biggest brawl of all time. But they call sacks. You know, they you know, they blow the whistle and they call it a sack. The first team offensive line gave up six sacks yesterday in this joint scrimmage that they had. Are the Jets' uh, offense line? It, well, let's put it this way, you know, because we saw that on Hard Knocks. And, you know, you know Sala went crazy uh, when they had the joint practice last week after their offensive line was so bad. So, are there uh, offensive line issues in the last two weeks? Reason for concern or no big deal? Meanwhile, on the diamond, uh, the diamond, the uh, Dodgers and the Braves just continue to maul teams. Last night, the uh, Braves beat the Yankees again. I don't know if that matters. The Dodgers won again over the first-place Brewers. I think that's a little more valid. But my question is, who's the third-best team in the National League? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, it's the pipeline for today. We've got to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's hopefully sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602 260 1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by a 2023 Jacksonville Jags season preview. And our longtime Jags uh, aficionado and expert, Mark Long of the Associated Press, scheduled to join us in the next segment. They had an amazing finish this season. Didn't get off to a good start, so we'll examine all this. I'm not completely or even close to being in on the Jags, so I need some convincing. Mark might be able to do that. So let's stay tuned and hear what he has to say. And I have some, of course, probing questions. Once again, bottom of the hour, it be phone call time, 602-260-1060, general discussion at that point. And also some local roundup. That'll be topped by a third straight horribly played baseball game between the Diamondbacks and the, and the uh, Rockies. The rules dictated that somebody had to actually, quote, win the game. Extra Point with local and national topics, betting lines, and banter. Weekdays 10 to noon on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and the KTUS 1060 app. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home with the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from uh, 6 to 9 a.m. It's kind of an appropriate song here, Southbound uh, by the Allman Brothers. And just kind of coincidentally, uh, you know, the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jags, are the favorites to win that division this year. Trying to track down Mark Long from the Associated Press. Of course, the 2022 Jags made the playoffs and expectations are very high in 2023. If you go back to last season, the Jags started 9-7 and seven in that season. 
They ended up winning six of their last seven regular season games to reach the postseason for the first time in six years. And uh, it was quite a, you know, obviously the year before was the Urban Meyer disaster, which I don't think was terribly surprising, uh, quite frankly. Uh, and uh, yeah, Doug Peterson came in and you know, changed the culture. If you listened to yesterday's show, it's my least favorite word. Uh, during this time of the football season, no matter whether it's the college football or the NFL, but you hear this word culture all the time, uh, which I kind of understand from the coach's viewpoint. What are you supposed to say if you, you know, inherited a bad team and you need to change the culture? So there's with that. But clearly, you know, this is the definition of a you know, significant, almost complete turnaround in culture from the Urban Meyer disaster to Doug Peterson, of course, won a Super Bowl when he was at the Philadelphia Eagles, so that was a big deal. So why did they turn around? Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence got better. Uh, amazingly, you know, their, their numbers are just – they've got some strange numbers, offensively and defensively from last season. You know, they ended up 10th in yards, 10th in points per game like a year ago, Jacksonville did. And – they're going to be better if they just improve a little bit uh, in a couple of things, specifically short yardage. Uh, Travis Atn is their main running back. He was not good in short yardage situations. Also, the red zone, they did not capitalize on a lot of their opportunities in the red zone. And that was in part because Trevor Lawrence, who improved in pretty much every other area last season, did not uh, he might have improved statistically some on that because they were bad the year before and everything, but you know they stalled a lot in the red zone and you know, settled for field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. So those are two things that they just do a little bit better. And even last year, when they weren't great in those two areas, they were still tenth in the league in yards and points per game. So if they just get a little bit better in both those you know things specifically. They're going to improve. Uh, you know, as far as Travis ATN goes, not good in short yardage. He's also a fumbling machine last year, so he needs to clean that up. I don't think it was uh, – I'm guessing that that's part of the reason that they got Tank Bigsby. Um, if you listen to any of our college football last year, even though we didn't get too much into Auburn because they were bad, uh, but Tank Bigsby uh, last two or three years at Auburn was a really good player. They drafted him. And I wouldn't be surprised if Tank Bigsby's going to take some uh, you know, snaps away from ATN. I'm not exactly sure how that divide's going to work, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Bigsby gets quite a bit of run. So we'll see how that goes. No pun intended, a quite a bit of run. Meanwhile, the receiving situation is very interesting. Uh, they added Calvin Ridley during the season last year. He was suspended for last season. But that was a very shrewd move by the front office in Jacksonville, or maybe that was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that Peterson had, you know, I'm not sure, but I'm assuming he had some kind of role there. So basically, it's kind of like a stash in fantasy sports. You just, you know, signed him and kept him, and you knew we were going to use him the following year. Uh, so that's the deal. It, yeah, if, you know, I don't think that people really remember because it's been a couple years since we've seen Ridley play. And he had the off-the-field issues, lots of off-the-field issues, uh, the gambling suspension, and also the mental health situation when he was in Atlanta. But when he last played in Atlanta and you know didn't have 
supposedly the issues that uh, maybe had them anyway, but he was tremendous. He was a dynamic receiver, and uh, he's going to be, I assume, their number one target for Trevor Lawrence. He's really talented. So what's this mean for Christian Kirk? Which I think, uh, yeah, obviously, Valley product, Christian Kirk, who went in there, obviously was here, got a whole lot of money from Jacksonville before last season, was good for them last year. But I don't think he's as good as Calvin Ridley. So, But Kirk is, I think, a very good number two receiver. Uh, we saw him here. He was a much better slot receiver. There's a few times where they didn't have him in this slot when he was here. He certainly uh, struggled with the physicality of, team, of uh, bigger corners, taking him out of uh, routes and so forth. So it's an interesting duo there. They also Everett a tight end. They just paid him even, you know, they extended his contract here within the last couple of weeks. Uh, so he and, and Peterson and, you know, his offensive structure, they love the tight end. So he's going to get plenty of targets also. As far as the offensive line, I actually think this is kind of be, uh, this. I think there's two real determining factors about the Jags this upcoming season, and this is one of them. Um I'm not sure how good this offensive line is. Uh, they've invested a lot in Cam Robinson. He's unfortunately suspended to begin the season. Uh, I believe it's four games. Uh, and also they lost uh, you know, Jawan Ta- uh, Taylor, he tried to say, left via free agency. He would, So that's their left tackle from last year and their starting right tackle from last year. Uh, you know, Taylor's gone. Robinson will be back, but you know, that's uh, two you know, book-in tackles. Now, they, they've they actually drafted a left, a left tackle or a guy that's going to start a left tackle to begin the season, eventually going to be the right tackle. But I really question whether this offensive line is good enough. Uh, it's this, you know, Remember, it's the AFC South, so I think they're going to make the playoffs. But I don't know if their offensive line is good enough for postseason success in 2023. Meanwhile, the defense was not good last season. Uh, certainly not good statistically. I mean, if you take a look at some of the key stats, they were in the 20s in uh, several of the, uh, you know, the quote, key stats. So we'll see how this goes. I think the whole key to their defense is going to be you know, Josh Allen, a uh, pass rusher, who early in his NFL career looked like he was going to be a star player. But mysteriously, at least to me from afar, I don't understand why that hasn't happened. You know, he had his best year in the NFL in his rookie season. Maybe it was the element of surprise. Teams have figured out, you know, how to make, you know, I'm sure this is part of it, but it it seems like uh, he should have been a more consistent every week player. He's had some flash moments uh, since that rookie season, but rarely been a consistent force on the defensive side of the ball. Also, their defense last year, their secondary was terrible, and that's in part uh, because the pass rush was inconsistent. Uh, you know, think that you know, Allen and also Trevon Walker, who was the first-round pick a couple of years ago from Florida State, uh, they got questions whether he can become a consistent pass rusher. If those two guys can get to the quarterback, that obviously is going to help the secondary. But the secondary, safeties are okay. Tyson Campbell, though, you know, has a chance. It looks like he's going to develop into a really good corner. But there are major issues in the cornerback position after Tyson Campbell. 
And in this day and age of the NFL, you need multiple corners. And uh, whether they have that or not, I think is highly questionable. Linebacker seems like that's a weak unit. Um, you know, they didn't really seem to you know change that too much. Or they, let's rephrase that. I don't, they didn't. I don't think they've improved at that linebacker unit too much during the offseason. So we'll see how that works out. But lot, there's plenty of questions on the offensive line, defensive front, uh, if you include the pass rushers from the outside and the linebacker position. And then the secondary, some good players, and then some glaring holes, it appears, as far as some of those, uh, you know, especially a cornerback. So we'll see how that goes. One of the reasons, though, and I always try to get special teams in these discussions when we do our season previews. One of the reasons that they did turn it around, and actually these guys were pretty good the whole season, but their special teams were really good last year. And that late season run, you know, I don't know if you can exactly say that they, quote, won games because of special teams, but they certainly – those special teams certainly put them in position to, you know, a better position to win those games. And that's definitely what happened there as far as uh, the Jags go in the second part of last season. Doug Peterson, guy I've talked about for a while. Uh, certainly did a good job turning the uh, culture around uh, for the Jags. Uh, I'm in the minority, I think, because I've got some questions about him on game day. Uh, he's made some uh, interesting. I think one of the reasons they started slowly last year is they lost some lost some close games early in the season, and a couple of those close games I think were in part because he made some baffling coaching decisions. But I also go back to the end of the Philadelphia days, you know, when he went from Super Bowl champion to unemployed in like a year and a half or two years, and I thought he made some perplexing decisions as far as game day goes. I'm not questioning Peterson at all as far as, say, you know, on a regular game week, Monday through Saturday, uh, or at least until the game starts on Sunday. I think he's done a fabulous job in both Philadelphia and Jacksonville as far as that part goes. But like I, I just think he's made some perplexing, perplexing in-game decisions. And uh, we'll, we'll you know, I don't know if that's going to change or not, but – it's not just it's not like a Brandon Staley thing, which is just you know he's out of his mind and just goes for it seemingly every time he gets a fourth down decision. But it seems like there's a you know there's certainly some metrics in here, and I'm not Mr. Metrics. I'm not. I've definitely come around some on the metrics things. Depends. You know, I like the metrics if it passes the eye test because I watch tons of games, and if the metrics and the eye test pass uh, and match up, I'm good. What no, I don't care what sport it is, and it's you that's usually just football or ba- uh, baseball for me. But if those two things match, uh, I think that that's not a problem. But you know, if I like see a, a metric and I've watched games and it just doesn't make any sense to me, then I just don't quite understand. And I wonder sometimes, in fact, I know sometimes, especially in baseball, a lot of the people that are you know the metrics gurus they don't seem to watch hardly any games. Uh, and if you listen to, you know, not just fantasy podcasts, but, you know, baseball podcasts, they tell you that they don't watch very many games. And I don't quite understand. Maybe somebody that grew up watching a million games anyway, maybe I'm the wrong guy to judge here, but whatever. 
Uh, but uh, clearly, Peterson, uh, to me, has made some interesting game day decisions that have not always turned out well and sometimes have turned out to be a disaster. But clearly, he has the control. The, the team, his team, he is in control of this team. And uh, there's a respect factor from the players towards him, which is inarguable. Uh, so there's no problem as far as that goes. As far as uh, what's going to happen this year for the uh, Jags, now their season win total is sitting at 9.5. And, and I will answer this question in the uh, during the extra point uh, as we answer both the uh, poll questions as usual. Today, the Browns and the which are the kind of a perplexing team to me, as I mentioned before, uh, previously, and the Jags. Uh, nine and a half, there's, there, you know, I'll give you a little teaser here. I don't even tease it. There, you know, if people, if people have listened to me, I won a lot of money betting against the Jags last season, or especially ruined the season in some of those games that Peterson made some interesting decisions benefited me. Uh, also, I need to see Trevor Lawrence be better. In the red zone, uh, he got better last year in every other area. But uh, the red zone efficiency, and uh, he still, from that game that they won in the playoffs against the Chargers, you know, Lawrence threw multiple interceptions in the first half of that game to put him down by like three or four scores. And then he made some plays in the second half to kind of bail himself out, and they won the game. But there's too many inconsistent moments during games uh, from, you know, you know, in Lawrence, I understand he's only been in the league for three seasons now. And there's a chance that he can make a big step here. But I actually think that's going to be a really big deal. And, uh, you know, the fact that I'm not sold on their offensive line, their defensive front, they need some more corners. Uh, there's not a chance in you know, anybody, you know, there's zero chance that I'm going to bet them over you know, nine and a half wins. I'm not going to bet it. I'm not going to bet on them, uh, but I'm probably going to be very curious to see how their season starts. And they might be a team that once again, from a week to week basis, I might get involved on. You uh, might get involved in a betting betting against them. That's my initial inclination. If they show any signs early in the season that I think that they might be overrated, I'm going to try to pounce on that early. Now their schedule. They have the London factor here. Yeah, their first six games, they play three home games. They actually have consecutive games in London over the first six games. Here are the first six games. They play at Indianapolis. We don't think they're going to be any good, right? Uh, Kansas City at home, I think they're going to be pretty good. (laughs) Uh, Houston at home, I don't think they're going to be very good. Atlanta, kind of a mystery team. But they play Atlanta after that first three games of at Indianapolis, Kansas City, and Houston. Then they play consecutive games in London against Atlanta and Buffalo. And that could be an interesting two-game swing. If Atlanta's any good, that could be a couple of losses because we think Buffalo, while I'm not crazy about the Bills, as uh, many people are, uh, I think that they're better than Jacksonville. Uh, then after that, then they come home and play Indianapolis again after the uh, two games in, in London. But then after that, they have a they have three tough games in a row, in my opinion. There's a buy-in between here, but they play at New Orleans, they play at Pittsburgh, then they have a bye, then they host San Francisco. And they also have you know a really tough three-week stretch 
a little later in the season where they play Cincinnati on a Monday night. That's games at home. They play at Cleveland. That's a short week because, remember, it's a Monday night game against Cincinnati. They play Baltimore, and you know that's, a, you know, that's not an easy situation. That game's at home also. Uh, but I will say that they have a very soft final three games of the regular season, in my opinion, at least going into the season you think it is. Tampa, Carolina, so you two play two games from the NFC South, which is uh, along with the AFC South, the two weakest divisions in the NFL. And then they finish the season at Tennessee. Remember last year, they barely beat Penn- Tennessee, which was a battered and beaten football team. I mean, they were injured. They barely beat Tennessee in the final game of the regular season. They lose that game. They don't even make the playoffs a year ago. So I've got they've got a lot of good here. But I've got some significant questions, and I'm kind of stunned at the uh, seemingly daily, you know, you know, the you know the, uh, the the pundits, especially on NFL Network, many of their experts seem to think that this team is tremendous, and I just don't quite get it. I might be totally wrong here. Hopefully, I'm not, but I just don't quite buy it. All right, sorry we didn't get a hold of Mark. I hope I uh, sufficiently talked about Jacksonville in this segment and gave us a little idea what to look for for the upcoming season. All right, next uh, segment will be phone call time, 602-260-1060, and also of today's local roundup. That includes some analysis of yet another unwatchable baseball game at Coors Field between the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. We'll get a little bit of, hey, the Dodgers won. Can you imagine that? They've lost one game this month so far now we told you before the right when the month started that they had a ton of home games but now they're actually beating you know i think good teams at home do you consider the brewers a good team they can pitch and play defense they don't hit very well but you know, they've beaten the brewers the last two nights might get a little tougher for the dodgers tonight with corbin burns pitching but we'll cover all that and much more in the next segment right here in the sports zone it's phone call time if you want to get in 602-260-1060 Feel free to interrupt at any point if you'd like. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time if you'd like to get in, 602 602- 260-1060, general discussion. All right, on to the local roundup, and I'm required to do so. So we're talking about the Diamondbacks. They won, quote-unquote, won the three-game series at Colorado simply because the Rockies played worse. Um, incredibly, the Rockies have not won a series this season, this season, against an NL West opponent. Not one, not one series they've even won. And so they lose two out of three to the Diamondbacks. About the only positive, uh, the Diamondbacks winning two out of three that I can come up with is Christian Walker, who was tremendous. He homered at least once in all three of these games, including hit two home runs in yesterday's uh, Wednesday 9-7 to victory. The Diamondbacks base running, which has been awful after the All-Star break, the awful base running continued yesterday on Wednesday. They had four more runners thrown out at bases. Cattell Marte doubled up on a line drive. 
They have Nick Nick Ahmed, who in some reason decided to try to stretch a triple into an inside-the-park home run. The slow-footed Jose Herrera, the most baffling move, tried to stretch a single into a double. And Corbin Carroll, foolishly, trying to steal third base. He was thrown out. He was the first out of the inning at third base. That's one of the cardinal rules of baseball. That was in the eighth inning. So more bad base running from the Diamondbacks, and they got away with it. On the Diamond, Slade Shikoni appears to be another Diamondbacks young pitcher who doesn't get much swing and miss. And at least right now, he should not be pitching in the major leagues. They've got a few guys in that, uh, you know, on the roster right now that should not be pitching in the major leagues. I will say one thing I do like about uh, Shikoni is uh, his first name is Slade. I kind of wish my I wish my parents would have named me Slade. That, that's that's that I like. That's a catchy little name there. All right, personnel news: Lord Escurial Jr. forced to leave the game uh, yesterday with what Tori Lavello called a hip contusion. We'll see if he's available starting tonight. The four-game series in San Diego. Also, other Diamondbacks injury news: Zach Davies with the lower back situation. Uh, he's been on a rehab assignment at AAA Reno. And I never really how, know how to judge these rehab assignments, especially if they're at AAA Reno. Uh, he gave up seven runs and 11 hits through 80 pitches in three innings in his second rehab start. The thought was that he might be back and joining the rotation this upcoming weekend, Sunday specifically in San Diego. I'm not sure uh, what they think after that outing, but like I said, uh, yeah, pitching for Reno, whether it's in Reno or in the PCL, very difficult, at least numerically, without having seen him and uh, judging it live. Of what the that kind of uh, you know, what the, the, those numbers are they you know, just because of it's an awful you know it's an awful awful pitcher's environment, or because he was just bad. So I have no idea. Meanwhile, uh, you know, catcher Carson Kelly was just released. They designated for assignment over the weekend, and uh, nobody claimed him on the waiver thing or and so forth, so he's now a free agent. I assume Carson Kelly will catch on somewhere. I'm guessing he didn't get claimed by anybody because they'd have to pay his salary. Now the Diamondbacks would still have to pay his salary if he goes somewhere else. Plus he'll make you know, a minimum salary of his new team. All right, the bottom line, the Diamondbacks uh, have won, quote-unquote again, consecutive series for the first time since June. Uh, the good news is the Padres are the next four games. That's the Diamondbacks, uh, the series that they won last weekend. At home, Saturday and Sunday, they beat the Padres to end their nine-game losing streak at that point, the Diamondbacks did. Tonight's pitching matchup, Zach Gallen, who is 12-3 with a 324 earned run average. Goes against Rich Hill, who has been not good uh, for a lot of the season. When he was with Pittsburgh or now in San Diego, he's been hit hard a couple times by the uh, since he's gone to the Padres. Uh, Rich Hill sitting at 7-12 and now in the season with a 5.17 earned run average. Yeah, Gallon actually you know, just beat the Padres last Saturday, and he's actually had three starts against the Padres this season, and he has dominated the Padres. 2-0 and zero with a 189 run average. He's only given up four earned runs in 19 innings over those three starts. His whip is below one at 0.79, and he has 22 strikeouts in those 19 innings so far this year against San Diego. All right, on to 
the rest of the National League, or some of the National League West here. Uh, we'll start with the Dodgers. Then their winning streak is now at 10. Mookie Betts, three out of four last night, scored four runs. Uh, the Dodgers also benefited from catcher's interference twice and scored uh, as they beat the uh, Brewers 7-1 seven and seven to one last night at Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers increased their National League West lead to 10 games over second place San Francisco. They've outscored their opponents uh, in their, during this 10-game winning streak, 61-22. to Freddie Freeman actually was 0 for 14 uh, heading into, actually during the game last night. He, not, not all that was last night, obviously, but he broke a 0 for 14 streak. Seems like he gets a hit every time we watch him hit. But uh, he was 0 for 14 until he got uh, three hits last night. So, in fact, I saw a highlight of him. Actually, kind of dozed off when I was watching this game last night. But, uh, you know, I saw a highlight. of He finally got a hit and broke that 0 for 14 thing. And uh, he, uh, you know, praised God and, you know, did the thing to the sky. And he was... It was actually kind of funny the way that he, you know, he, he handled that pretty well. But if you're hitting like 350 or whatever he was before he went zero for 14, you probably have a pretty good sense of humor. Meanwhile, Kershaw, uh, now 11 and four, he allowed one one run, three hits over five innings. He struck out two uh, and uh, walked two. And yeah, they're still limiting his innings and you know, pitch count, etc. But uh, he looks, he's looked good in both his starts back from the injured list. That's his 208th career victory. That moves him within one of Don Drysdale for second on the all-time Dodgers win list. All right, tonight it is uh, the, final, the finale of the series against the, against the Brewers. Excuse me. Corbin Burns uh, goes for the uh, Brewers tonight, and he's been mostly pretty good. Uh, and uh, you know, Not quite to the ace level he was in the Cy Young year a couple years ago. Lance Lynn has been really good since the Dodgers traded for him. I believe he's won all three of his starts at this point on the season. He's 9-9 nine and nine and still has a nerd run average of just below six. But as I mentioned, he's been good since then. And the Giants, they lost again. Uh, they're, they're really struggling. Uh, they're actually very similar to the Diamondbacks here lately. But you know, not their streak hasn't been since July the 1st. Uh, the Giants' streak has been since, say, Oh, I'd say about 10 days after the All-Star break. They haven't been good since then. They lose again. And really, they prevented pretty much, excuse me, put up not much of a fight yesterday. They lose 6-1 to the uh, Tampa Bay Rays yesterday. And uh, next up, the Giants, after they don't, they have a today off, and then they begin a three-game series at Atlanta. Yeah, breaking news here. That's probably not going to go well. Uh, they're not playing well. They can't score runs. And the you know the, the the Braves are the the best offensive team in baseball, even without Ozzy Albies, who did go on the injured list yesterday. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the uh, conclusion of today's spectacular radio program with the national roundup. That'll include uh, some MLB scoreboard items from last night. Don't forget the extra point coming up with Kayla from uh, ten to noon, hosted by Kayla. And I get to hang around and chime in when I can, or when actually I probably chime in too much, but whatever. Uh, that's in the next two hours from 10 to noon. That will today include a Cleveland Browns season preview, so stay tuned for that. You're listening to Sports with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7.
It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. Now comes time for our, what seems to be our daily Yankees bashing. So if you're a Yankees fan, sorry. If you're a Yankees hater, you're going to love this, but it's been going on for a while. Uh, the Yankees are 60 and 61 for the first time since 1995. Charlie Morton, who hasn't been really good lately, but he was really good last night. Ten strikeouts in uh, six innings. Uh, Eddie Rosario had a two-run homer, and the Braves beat the Yankees 2-0 to complete a three-game sweep and uh, send the struggling Yankees below 500 for the first time this season. The Yankees 60 and 61, as I mentioned. Uh, they've now lost three, uh, five in a row. They were outscored in this three-game series by Atlanta 18 to three. Uh, capped by the uh, back-to-back shutouts. That's the first time this year that the Yankees have been shut out in consecutive games. Meanwhile, the Braves are now 78 and 42, and uh, they've actually they've actually their pitchers have thrown four shutouts. Their pitching staff has thrown four shutouts in their last seven games, uh, which is pretty astounding even for the Braves. Meanwhile. It's the first time the Yankees have had a losing record at least 120 games into a season since September 5th of 1995 when they were also 60 and 61. This is according to the Elias Sports Bureau, the, or the, the, the Bur, uh, Bureau to check out for such stats. It's also the first losing record for the Yankees at any point of any season since they were 13 and 14 in 2021. The Yankees, who haven't missed the playoffs since 2016, are uh, they? Be, you know, they're now seven and a half games in the American League East, and uh, and the wild card berth part. Uh, the Yank, the Yankees also have not. Uh, they've actually finished with a winning record in 20 consecutive seasons. Meanwhile, also last night the Phillies' offense exploded. Finally, uh, Bryce Harper hit two solo home runs, first time this season at Harper. Obviously, he started the season late, but the first time he's hit two home runs in one game. Aaron Nola, who has been inconsistent, wasn't great last night, but he made it through five innings. And uh, the Phillies snapped a four-game losing streak. They won for the uh, their, uh, they won for the uh, first time in four games. That's snapping a four-game losing streak. They beat the Jays nine to four last night at Toronto. They obviously lost the first couple games of that series. The Cubs. Walked it off last night against the White Sox. Christopher Morrell, uh, he had a dramatic, as it might, you, know, you might expect, it's a walk-off home run, a dramatic three-run homer after off of uh, Gregory Santos in the ninth inning. Cubs beat the White Sox 4-3. to three. I watched quite a bit of this game. At no point in this game, I think that even the most hardcore Cubs fan thought they were going to win, and then they end up uh, winning the game in the ninth inning. Cody Bellinger, Valley product, Started the uh, ninth inning rally with a leadoff double, and then it was Dansby Swanson, former Diamondbacks' first overall pick of the draft before they foolishly traded him. But anyway, uh, the, after the Bellinger double, Swanson walked, and then Morrell uh, drove the first pitch off of Santos over the wall in right center field for his 19th home run of the year, Mr. Morrell. A... Uh, Either home run or strikeout guy kind of seems to be kind of a thing going on with him. Uh, the Cubs obviously fighting for a uh, you know a playoff spot, so we'll see how this goes. They were terrible in this game before the ninth inning uh, in many areas, including one out of seven with runners in scoring position, but uh, worked out well in the end for the Cubs. 
All right, another quick couple of quick things. The Colts' Jonathan Taylor, this drama, has yet another chapter. Taylor on Wednesday left the team, but the team actually called this for personal reasons. Uh, it's an excused absence, according to the team. So uh, hopefully something uh, not terrible going on in uh, Jonathan Taylor's life or however that works. But the fact that the team and Taylor seem to at least uh, coincide on this because they haven't really agreed on anything else that's happened for the last few months, quite frankly. But uh, Taylor is, uh, once again, he just came back to camp this week, but now he's left because of a excused absence, according to the team. So we'll see. I've, I don't know when we're going to find out more about that, but uh, as of like 20 minutes ago, when I last looked, uh, there was nothing new on that. All right, next couple of segments, sorry, a couple, couple hours, I should say. It's the uh, Extra Point hosted by Kayla, so stay tuned for that. I will include a preview of the Cleveland Browns and phone call time if you want to get in, 602-260-1060. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.